I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Nick Mullins and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast and we're on tour this week, this season, coming from various locations and tonight, to kick us off, we're in my kitchen. It's a lovely kitchen we are, too. We are, you, we're in, this, is, this is my kitchen, isn't it? And I've finally met La Conche as well. La Conche, the big, don't look the French beast. online to see how much La Conche is because <laughs> I lied to my other half. Um, Hugo's here largely because... Um, it's good for expenses because he's my neighbour <laughs> and he lives just around the corner. And uh, we will be looking ahead. We'll be doing several things, actually. We'll be looking ahead to um, this weekend's Aviva Premiership, of course, on uh, BT Sport Round 3. We'll also be drinking cups of Earl Grey tea, which get your approval. Superb. So like the tea. Thank you. And you have brought the chocolate hobnobs. That's it. Chocolate chip. We've got caramel and dark chocolate. So I think we've covered everything. But before we crack on with the podcast, here's a, a little tease of what you can expect on this week's show. Martin Bayfield caught up with Gloucester's new signing from Bristol, Jason Woodward. You know, for me, mentally, sort of at the moment, just trying to do everything I can for, for Gloucester and to help us, you know, get another result on the weekend. And Sarah has been to Bath. This is Francois Lowe, and you're listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We've learned our lessons from last season. We've taken what we can from that, um, but uh, we've, we've put that to bed quickly and that's moving forward, really. So, bags to, uh, to look forward to over the next half an hour or so, not just the Earl Grey and the, uh, and the Chalky Hobnobs, but it's, it's been a strong start, particularly with the Chalky Hobnobs. You're one down already. Something <laughs> I've not noticed. One down, on to two. But, uh, but yeah, rugby started Friday night. Um, AJ Bell, not the best of viewing. Um, Sell could have had the game out of sight by half-time, but fair play to Newcastle. Started the season, really, the way in the manner which they finished off. And uh... How high can they finish, Hughes? Because I know, I know Dean Richards is, is kind of playing down this top six thing, but, but they're building nicely, aren't they? I think the only reason he's kind of trying to avoid those questions is to protect his players. They're a top six team. They've looked, I mean, don't want to get too excited round two, but nine points already on the board. They're not a relegation team anymore. They're not into that conversation. If they finish in the top six and get a European spot next year, it's everything they deserve. And we're going to be going with the, um, the Falcons to Philadelphia um, at the weekend. So we'll have a chat about that match against Saracens a bit, a bit later on. Four games on, on Saturday. Um, and I guess the one that, that really caught the eye was... Bass went against Saracens, almost underlining that 
what happened at Welford Road was no flash in the pan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Bath have had plenty of excuses as to why they could have easily been zero from two this season. You look at the fixture list, go away to Welford Road, a place they're not won since 03. Then they got the twice European champions back at home, um, loads of injuries, but... Bar's skill, just with sheer character, they've been able to, to get a couple of wins. Um, at 77 minutes, Saracens managed to find their way into the game and then Rocco Daguna, who else? But what a brilliant try it was, um, beating about five players. Who called him Rocco Houdini? <laughs> Uh, was I was I was I was lounging by a pool last weekend. I, I cannot lie, so I didn't. But that was you, was it? It was. I just That's got a good line. Just got a bit excited. Um, good line. It's funny, but when you saw his first try, for me, it kind of reminded me as to how I played rugby under 15s and how sometimes we overcomplicate rugby. Just give it to the fast lad, stood at number 10, and let him do his magic. A lot of people say are saying, why isn't Rocket and Goonie playing for England? And we had this chat a lot on and off air last season. And certainly last season, you were quite strong on why he wasn't playing for England. Yeah, um, defensively, I just thought he wasn't consistent enough. Um, international level, you get punished pretty quickly. Um, this year, has my opinion changed? He's a wonderful player. And I think the only other player to score the type of try he scored at the weekend is probably only Christian Wade. He's shown a lot more this year. But in saying that, there's a huge amount of competition still out there. The Gardens. Northampton against Leicester. I mean, so much that we could talk about from this match. But how do you how do you sum up Saints' win? Yeah, congratulations to them. Massive character was shown. Um, I wouldn't have said they'd have had a crisis meeting after just round one, but there'd have been a huge amount of honesty um, and certainly needed. They didn't show up physically, mentally, didn't seem to be at the races, but to bounce back in the manner which they did, to deal with all that criticism internally as well as publicly, and actually... I thought there were streets ahead of Leicester at the weekend. Um, they're, they're fully back on track. Yeah, I think the coaches, the coaches had said, and the players have admitted it publicly, that they were, they were told they were soft against Saracens on that opening weekend. And, you know, I'm not calling you soft, Utes, for a minute. But you, you, <laughs> you'll, have been, you'll have been in those situations where you, 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 you've taken a hiding from the coaches on the Monday morning, and the only place you can put it right is on the pitch the following weekend. Absolutely right. I think... It's one thing losing a game, but when you don't show anything in that game as to what you are, and Northampton's DNA is physicality, and it just wasn't there. But fair play to Jim. He's been under pressure last year, and you know people pointing the finger once again for him to be able to turn it around. That's just got to be their benchmark now for the rest of the season. Quick word on Leicester. It, it, it's absurd for people to talk about panic stations, Joshua, isn't it? I think so. When you look at the type of players and the quality of the coach and what they have, I didn't expect them to be zero from two at the start of the season. Will they be in the top four? You wouldn't bet against them. They've got plenty enough quality. But unfortunately for me, the worrying sign is the two teams they faced so far this season have just beat them up physically. And you can have all the backline stars that you like. If you don't get it right up front, you're not going to win many games. And that's the thing they've talked about as well in the summer, being more physical, carrying that extra physical edge. So that we know all about the backline. But it's got to start with the big blokes. Yeah, and we, we saw that round one. You know, they had to win a line out to win the game and they fluffed their lines. And then a week later at Franklin's Gardens, they just got beaten up. And uh, that's worrying, but no doubt they're reacting the same manner Northampton did. Irish were, were uh, I, was, I was following this on, on Twitter, Paul side. And, and, and certainly they <laughs> were, were... you on holiday? I was on holiday. Did I mention that? <laughs> Drinking tea, eating hobnobs. And actually, Irish seemed competitive for, for uh, certainly the early stages of that match until the Chiefs pulled away a little bit. It's a tough place to go. Um, they're champions. They, they lost last week. They'd have been hurting. 
Um, London Irish, I think their biggest problem is going to be injuries. They've got to keep people fit. And the effort they put into Twicken, and my only question was whether they were going to be able to replicate that. And they clearly weren't. But it's no disgrace to lose to the champions. Not many people go down there and win many points. But fair play to Exeter um, uh, to, to get the result and the five points. They, they've got their season uh, back on track as well. And John Kingston would have seen a, a, one or two injuries to concern Quinns after the match. But John Kingston would have seen a response as well from them after what happened at Twickenham on the opening weekend, beating, beating Gloucester. Yeah, really good game management, actually. Danny Kerr kicked really well during the game. Um, but yeah, I think whenever you lose your opening game or lose any game, you just want to see progression. You want to see a reaction. And he certainly got it from that. If any of you haven't seen Charlie Walker's try from that game, that's everything what Quinns is about. Counter-attack all started with the young fella, Marcus Smith. Danny Kerr had involvement with Mike Brown and then Charlie Walker, who started his second game. It seems to be a bit of a breakthrough season for him. A really good and much-needed result for them. Marcus Smith is going to be busy as well. We saw him start at Twickenham two weeks ago, but now poor old Dimitri Katrakilis is is injured. I mean, just awful for him, awful for the club. Yeah, I mean, every injury is unfortunate, but I mean, he had a groin injury through the summer, miss, um, played 15 minutes and he got he got simbined after 40 seconds making his debut. But to then to, to get the number 10 shirt at home and fracture a bone in his throat, that's a pretty severe injury. Just wishing well in his recovery. Actually, a quick one about Ronaldo Bothmer, because I know talking to John Kingston, that, that almost he was the, the newcomer that excited him most of all, a real beast in the back row, and he's going to be missing for a while as well. Yeah, he got injured in the A-League game, broke his arm, unfortunately, for, for a second time. Um, but I guess what's really important for him is that he's just back for those autumn internationals. The look of the squad is to have international quality stars when the English guys go away. And once again, you just wish him really well in his recovery. What do you take from, from Worcester Wasps on the Sunday? Again, it took Wasps a little bit of time to put the game away. It wasn't until the last few minutes that they um, they scored those two tries. Yeah, Worcester disappointed and right from the word go, um, found themselves behind the eight ball. Nick showing up, breaking his ankle after 25 seconds and uh, Wasps were ruthless actually going after Bioallo in the scrum, although he did score a try and played really well. But for Wasps, it wasn't wasn't a very good team performance, but it just once again highlights the star quality which they have and a gorgeous try from Marcus Watson and a sublime chip from Danny Cipriani and lovely finish for Joss Bassett, which capped off a really good week for him because he had his uh, he had his first child this week. Congratulations! Do you know what my highlight was? Tell me. Oh, you know what it was. <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, not much, really. It was a good time. catch. I was initially. I was pleased with the catch, but funnily enough, I, I seem to always get carried away, and um, I'm not going to implicate myself too much. But I just well, you just dropped it on Jack Singleton's head. <laughs> I mean, let's 14. be fair. You, I mean, you can take us to court, whatever you want to do, mind you. But you know, that's what happened, and Jack will be witness number one. Do you know what? Fair play to him because he ended up winning that next line out, and uh, I'd have been pretty upset myself, let alone him. But we had a bit of banter on Twitter, and I think he appreciated my accuracy. You were good. You were a good listener, actually. I've watched that match back, and fair, fair play. You almost maybe came up with the line of the season as well so far. Talking about Christian Scotland Williamson. Do you remember <laughs> what you said? I do. Um, got carried away. Absolute monster hit. And um, I was looking down at his name, double-barreled name. Um, obviously stood out on the programme. Christian Scotland Williamson, I said, he's got the name of a posh boy, but he hits like a thug. And he did. Absolutely. I forgot who it was. Cut him in half. And what an introduction that was for him to Premiership Life this year. But, Do you um, find, by the way, that when you're working with Flatman, you come out with lines like that a bit more readily than, than otherwise? 
Sometimes, yeah. Um, do you know what? Flats is uh, he's an infectious character, and I mean that in a, in a positive way, that's for sure. But we get very excited, and uh, the game at times wasn't really flowing, and perhaps that that affects our attention span and we just we, we create our own fun if, if the rugby's not entertaining ourselves actually that's that's really dangerous isn't it because poor I, you know and and folks who watch us back home will know this but a poor game tends to bring out the worst in us yeah you almost forget you're on telly sometimes which it's, is quite dangerous it's tough but hey if you watch us on bt sport you, you know your rugby and so we can't sell a poor game to people who, who know their rugby so all we try and do is have fun with it it is just rugby at the end of the day but as you said check this Alex Reader out of nowhere just empties him Christian Scotland Williamson he's got he's got the name of a posh boy but hitting like a thug brilliant Ali had a good line as well on Ellis Genge uh, which uh, one or two of you may have seen uh, from the gardens that that charging run that he had was it was that the, the moment that he that he kind of swept aside Dylan Hartley as well. Ali said, like a baby rhino with a dart up his backside. <laughs> this is Genge. Oh, Genge, like a baby rhino with a dart up its backside, just charging into the opposition. You don't get that anywhere else, do you? You don't. You can laugh, you, and you can have another chocolate digestive, but we do not get that quality of commentary anywhere else. I don't think so. I remember listening to it, and I was in stitches. On to this week's news. Um, let's start with, with England's autumn fixtures in 2018, November next year. And these will be the last set of home fixtures against the Southern Hemisphere lot before the World Cup. So they're significant and, and they've gone for the full house. South Africa at the start of the month, then the All Blacks, then Japan, um, Eddie Jones' old team um, and the host, of course, of the World Cup, uh, and then Australia on the 24th of November. What's, what's the thinking behind that? Here? Really well picked. Um, I'm actually going to start with this, this autumn internationals and they, they're playing Australia, Samoa, Argentina. Eddie Jones already made the comments that he may not play all his Lions guys. And when you look at it, no disrespect to those nations, he may give himself an opportunity just to tinker his squad and perhaps look at some of these guys. So we, we roll the clock on 12 months later this might be not an experimental year. You want to win every single game, but you, you'd imagine he'll probably widen his squad a little bit. But then when we get to Hang this... On, uh, just on that, what, what are his priorities this autumn? What, what's, he, what's he looking for, do you think? I think he wants to test the strength and depth of his squad. And by playing New Zealand next year, it's a genuine statement that by the, this time next year, we need to be in business. I need to know my squad. And we're going to go up against the top three sides in the world. Having New Zealand playing them second. So traditionally, you'd always play New Zealand last. They'd kind of be your showcase. But at the end of the, the November internationals, you're shattered. You've normally picked up a third of your squad are injured and you never, ever give your best opportunities. So to play South Africa first, hopefully create a little bit of momentum. You'll test hardened by the time you play New Zealand. Having playing them second, I think, is the perfect positioning for it. And then it's a true test of the two best tides in the world. I ought to know this, uh, and shamefully I don't. They, they may well never have played at Twickenham before, but to have Japan as part of that run of games as well is, is such a great thing for them after we know what they did at the World Cup last time out. But if, if they're now starting to crop up regularly 
on England's calendar. That can only be a good thing, can't it? Absolutely. It was great to see Wales go out and play a couple of Tier 2 nations this summer. For Japan to come up to Twickenham, that's amazing, especially when you think of a year later they'll be hosting the World Cup. So uh, really good business, um, I think, from the RFU. And great to see that the international game certainly being widened. Another interesting line this week uh, was from former Quinn scrum half Carl Dixon, retired at the back end of last season to become a professional referee. And he was talking on the radio, talking on, on Five Live this week, talking about the fitness that you need. Uh, it, different type of fitness, he says. But in terms of running around, I'm fitter as a referee than I was as a player. And, and he was very fit as a player. So the question is, are referees fitter than players? <laughs> See, Carl was a guy that loved his fitness. He certainly was... Um... Yeah, well, he just likes staying in shape for all the wrong reasons. He was always beach ready. But I think that's a bit of a sweeping statement of all the referees. I'm pushing the digesters <laughs> a little bit further. Oh, it's, a it's a musical box, by the way. It's you a might beautiful chime to those. I've brought out our best musical Not box. Not only do they taste good, they sound brilliant as yeah, well. But yeah. um, I don't think all referees are fitter than rugby players. But I'd back him to be one of the fittest guys out there, that's for sure. Um, but he says he's in the best shape he's been. He's fitter as a referee. Well, he's not having his head kicked in every single week. So all he's got to do is run around and do some weights. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy who's doing incredibly well, been mentored by Wayne Barnes. And they've got high hopes for him. Um, hopefully, if he if he goes well, he could potentially be refereeing a premiership fixture before Christmas. And that's exciting for him. I think Richard Wigglesworth responded on Twitter by saying, we, 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 we had a ref in last season who was laying down the law and, and throwing some challenges around. And apparently, they, we don't know the name, yeah. so we can, you know. Who do you think it is? Um, JP. That's a good shout, actually. That's a good shout. So I'd imagine that JP's pretty quick. Yeah, I don't know what his endurance is like. I'd say he'd be more of a two hundred meter sprinter rather than a four eight hundred meter runner. When you were playing, who were the referees that that impressed you fitness wise? Um, Wayne Barnes, just naturally. Um, and I have to say one way of, for me, kind of really deciding as to whether referees fit or not, is just, of course, they keep up with play. But secondly, they're able to have good conversations with you. If you've ever been to the gym and worked really hard, then try and get on the phone and have a conversation with a mate. These referees have to keep up with. Imagine keeping up with Marcus Watson at the weekend, making a decent decision. So it is imperative for those guys to be really fit. But Wayne Barnes is always very fit. Barnsley runs by pretty much by my front door, actually, on the way home from work. I don't know whether he does, does it every night, but he works up in the city and he lives around the corner from you in Twickenham. And whenever I'm coming out of the kebab hut, he <laughs> is, is running, he's running home. So he, he, he's as fit as a fiddle. He certainly is. Um, he does a lot of training, actually, Richmond Park. He's invited me to a couple of sessions, but I'm about 30 kgs heavier than that guy and certainly not as interesting. <laughs> um, Poor old Sam Warburton, um, another news line this week, out for four months. What is it, and you've been on Lions Tours, what is it about Lions Tours that, that lead to injuries like this off the back of them? There's just no rest. Um, you think of that tour to New Zealand, it's probably the most examining of all tours in world rugby. Um, it's come off the back of a domestic season, autumn international, six nations, no break, and then you're into the hardest seven weeks of that year, potentially of your career, um, only to do it all over again. You look at someone like Owen Farrell, I don't remember the last time he had two months out of the game in the last four or five years. It's just so tough. In 09, when I went to South Africa, 
I think there was eight English guys that went on that tour. Six of us came back that next season and had major surgery. It's a brutal game. You think about it, there's some dynamics in rugby that will never change. It'll always be 80 minutes. The pitch size will remain the same, but the forces on it are just forever just getting greater. People are bigger, faster, stronger. It's cliche, but it's absolutely true. Um, but once again, with Sam, quality player, we're just desperate for him to be fit, just the likes of Amanu Tuolangi. Just hope that he can get back and, uh, and stay fit. Yeah, we should mention Manu, Manu as well. Uh, want to mention as well the start this weekend um, of the Women's Premier League, the Tyrrell Premier 15s, as we're going to get used to calling it. Starts this weekend, 10 clubs up and down the country. And, 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 and those of you who would have watched um, the Women's World Cup on the telly, followed it on the radio uh, over the last month or so, will know that good things are happening in women's uh, rugby. Uh, and this league is... is according to the RFU, central to it. Of course. And uh, as you said, you covered it. Um, the Women's Rugby World Cup, I thought, was, I thought was gripping. I thought some of the games were in, insane, actually. You look at the final, that was one of the most competitive games seen in a long while. And for us, I think it's deeply important that if we want to support the game, or certainly we all talk about supporting the game and want it to grow, there's, there's ways in which you can do that. And one way is just get down to your local club and, and, and watch these girls because they are brilliant athletes. Yeah, um, go along. Um, there will be a game near you. If you're heading to Welford Road this weekend, um, one of four featured games, by the way, with us on BT Sport, you may well see uh, Gloucester's new signing from Bristol, Jason Woodward, and he's been speaking to Bafes earlier in the week. Here are the best bits. Now, your accent might suggest to some people there isn't a strong link to Gloucester, but there is. You, you, you touched on it just a few minutes ago. Tell us what your link is to this place. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to come over to Hartbury about uh, 10 years ago on a school exchange and ended up, um, I guess, falling in love with the place. And uh, about a, six or seven months later, I came back and started university here. So, um, you know, I've done a bit of schooling over here and lived over here for, for a bit and uh, made some friends for life who... Uh, you know, guys back then that I'm still keeping in touch with and catching up with today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just feels like home. Yeah. But then the lure of New Zealand takes you back, and then you come back to England, back to Bristol. Bristol clearly a difficult season last season, relegated out of the Premiership, but plenty of investment, plenty of positive talk about what they want to achieve. But you decided not to stay and come to to King's Home. How how close were you to staying at Bristol and, and following the new plan? Yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, it was always a tough decision. Um, to to decide to you know move up here, but at the same time you know I sort of had high aspirations to to come over here to to the UK and, and play in the Premiership and you know I guess sort of for me um, you know 27 years old that you know taking a year in the champ would have um, you know was something I sort of didn't really want to want to go um, go through and then with the opportunity to come to Gloucester and come back to I guess my roots here in, in England. Uh, was something I couldn't sort of turn down. You know, it was um, I've always sort of kept an eye on, um, you know, how the how Gloucester have been going over the past few years. I played rugby back in the day with Henry Trinder and uh, Tom Savage, so you know, to sort of be back out in the field with them is pretty pretty cool feeling. The message we got from some of the players early on in the season, the build up to that opening game was, Johan Ackerman isn't the man you want to disappoint. You don't want to upset him. It's almost like upsetting your parents if you upset him. Do you feel that? He's so passionate about it, you can't let him down. Yeah, he's sort of, I 
I guess, you know, across some of the teams I've been a part of, I've had, um, you know, some coaches have been coaches and some coaches have been mates and I think he's got a really good balance between the two. He's very approachable, he's um, very knowledgeable. You know, you can sit down and have a chat with him and, and have a laugh about something or, you know, be quite serious and talk about footy. And um, yeah, mate, he's, you know, I think, he, as I said, he's got a good balance and I think he's going to be great for us this year. You were one of the rare bright lights in Bristol season last season. You come here, hopefully results will come Gloucester's way. As results start to improve, selectors start to appear. Eddie Jones, in his bobble hat, starts to appear down at Kingston watching players. What about an England call-up? Is Eddie Jones a man you could, if you got the call from him, is he a man that you could, you could play rugby for? Absolutely. Is, um, you know, for me personally, it was part of the, the decision to, to come over, uh, you know, move back to the UK. and. Um, I was lucky enough to be included on a couple of camps last year and you know, to be sort of included in that environment and, and get to train with Eddie and, and the rest of the guys at that top level uh, was you know, an uh, awesome feeling and you know, I felt like I learnt, learnt quite a bit from that and something you know, I'm sort of you know, hoping to get a bit more of. Th that passion burns bright, burns, burns intensely in you to, to put on a white shirt play for England. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've sort of, um, you know, over the past, I think I've been in uh, back in the UK for since last November, and um, you know, you, I think you've got to take a, a team-first approach. Um, everything, you know, I sort of do, you know, at the moment is is to try and um, help us perform in the cherry and white jersey. Um, you know, and, and whether that's that fullback on the wing in the midfield or not on the field at all, um, you know, the, the team performance comes first. So. You know, it's nice to sort of have those individual goals uh, in the background and, and something to work hard for. But, you know, for me, mentally, sort of at the moment, just trying to do everything I can for, for Gloucester and to help us, you know, get another result on the weekend. We talk about that mental approach. What do you do to, to get rugby out of your brain? Because it's non-stop, non-stop, non-stop through the season. But for a, for a young lad, it can't be rugby all the time. Yeah, I've sort of moved into the country a little bit. Um, living uh, you know, down sort of in the outskirts, so got a little puppy, a little German Shepherd, seven month old puppy called Kevin. Um, Kevin? Kevin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd stick with like an old, an old man name um, for that. I've got a cat called George as well, so. Um, How did Kevin and George get on? Kevin and George, yeah, no, they get on right, they fight a bit. Which Sounds like a sitcom, quite, Kevin yeah, and George. That, yeah, it's so it's old man. quite fun to sort of sit there and watch them fight and yeah. um, get amongst it. But yeah, mate, just go for walks with the dog and um, yeah, uh, yeah out to brunch with the missus and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's slow sort of life down there, but something I'm enjoying a lot of. And a pilot as well, I hear. Yeah. Training. Yeah, training, uh, doing a deployment in aviation. So I've um, been doing that for a fair while now. I've done about 60 odd hours flying time and about 15 solo. So, um, you know, maybe if I get injured here one day, I'll, drop, I'll land, the, land the footy ball in for, for kickoff one time. Excellent. You'll have your own landing pad out in the car park. Yeah, that would be, be nice. cool. Yeah, I haven't you got a car arrived. park yet, so a helipad will be a bit of a push, but I'll see what the office staff can do. Great stuff. Well, you've made a blistering start to your career at Gloss. It's fantastic to see. Thanks for giving us your time. Uh, cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Jason Wood caught the eye in a losing cause at Bristol last season, and I thought when he made that move to, to Gloucester, it, look, it looked like a good one. Yeah, and uh, there's one way you can get the home fans to like you, and that's to score a winning try on debut. And he was brilliant in that game, a game which looked to be going away. But 
you need big players, give you big moments. He's certainly one of those. And as you've rightly said, Bristol last season, he was fantastic. A real shining light. And uh, He plays with his head up, doesn't he? He, he, he? he doesn't see the bodies. He looks for the gaps in between them, which is one of those old things that you would have thought about when you were playing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing about him is he's brave. He backs himself. It doesn't matter where he is. I think he's got such a good skill set that... He's not afraid to run the ball from anywhere. And sometimes you need that spark. And there's plenty of good players in that Gloucester team. But beyond his spark, he gives you that security. And, you know, I just I, I love his attitude and his positive style of, um, of playing rugby. There's a little bit, I don't know, uh, there may well be Gloucester fans who disagree with this, but there's a little bit of, of the Ollie Morgan about him. He's maybe not quite as streamlined as... As, as, as Ollie was, not quite as willy we, but, but that threat that he will pose from, from 15 all season. Yeah, Ollie famed for his counter-attacking ability and security in the air. Well, Jace Woodward, I think he adds to that a really big boot as well. He's that calming influence at the back, but you're right. Um, Ollie Morgan was a Gloucester legend. Jason started his journey and there's absolutely no reason as to why he can't be there and be one of their great heroes, especially this season. They're going to look for players like him. I thought what was great about the way Johan Ackerman responded to, to victory on the opening night was, was how he didn't get carried away. So it's almost incumbent on us not to get too carried away by the manner of the defeat at the Stoop last week. Absolutely right. But also, because they won the game in the 87th minute or whenever it was, I've forgotten now, he was probably the only coach in round one that celebrated. Everyone's so desperate now to, well, I'm not bothered, this is what I expect. <laughs> he was high-fiving and clapping, but of course he's absolutely right. Um, speaking to lots of guys before the game, and he's a guy that's coming with a brilliant attitude. What changes can you make in three weeks? Perhaps not a huge amount on the pitch, but what you can instill is a culture and a belief, and that's exactly what he's done. And they've also got signings like Owen Williams, Fraser Balmain to, to come in, Morgan and Atkinson as well. We say it every season. But they're, they're in a reasonable position, you would say. They are. They've, they've certainly added to their squad. And, and, you know, you look at the likes of Ross Moriarty, what the summer would have done for him. There is no reason when you look at their squad, when you look at their following, their support, always sold out as to why they shouldn't be a top four club. They've just got to find that consistency. Let's snip that out and put it into next season's podcast because it might be just as applicable then. <laughs> I hope not, for Gloucester's sake, because, you know, a strong Gloucester means it's a strong Premiership, and uh, and King's Home, when it's sailing on the high seas, really is uh, really is some place to go along to, isn't it? A place I used to love playing at. I used to love going over to the shed and warming up there, just knowing that pressure was coming. I could never drop a high ball, the eels, eels, and I dropped a fair few of those in my career. But uh, a brilliant rugby club. Jason Woodward's Gloucester uh, at Welford Road against Leicester. One of our offerings on Saturday: BT Sport Two and Four K UHD at half past two. First for us, though, this weekend, uh, Friday night from the Gardens, Northampton against Bath on BT Sport 2, 4K UHD if you're fully equipped. Uh, and Sarah has been down to uh, Farley House this week to have a chat with the Bath boys uh, ahead of the game. Here are the best bits. Francois, two from two, and you've already beaten two of last season's semi-finalists. It's a pretty decent start to the season, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, definitely the start uh, we would have hoped for. Um, you know, beating two of the top sides like that, uh, uh, definitely a lot of confidence within the sides. Um, you know, but I think at no stage will we, we, we sort of rest on our laurels. Uh, you know, we understand this is a long season. I think our biggest challenge last season was consistency. Um, 
you know, it's not good enough just to beat the top teams, but you got to you got to try and beat everyone, or at least try to beat as many teams as possible. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can uh, keep up with that that, uh, that form, that consistency, and get a few more wins under the belt. But I mean, to beat the teams that you've beaten and in the manner that you've done it as well, with so many players still injured, that must add to the whole confidence and feel-good factor around this place at the moment. Yeah, sure. I think we've got we've got a decent amount of depth within within our side, and uh, you know. The fact that we still have guys coming back from injuries is, is very promising, and uh, you know it's, it's it's something that we you know, can take can take confidence from again. Um, I think we worked pretty hard in the pre-season uh, to make sure everyone's up to speed, and I think the guys that have uh, you know got the opportunities uh, so far have really taken their chance. You know, a lot of the young guys have really put their hands up. Guys like uh, you know Max Clark's really really stepped up to the plate. Um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the young guys are, are just rearing to go as well. Do you think maybe the both Saracens, I guess, and um, Leicester were they games? May you may have lost last season. Uh, sure, um, you know I think it, they, they definitely showed uh, an element of resilience. Um, you know something we we do pride ourselves on, or at least try to work towards that. You know when it does get really tough, that you know we're not going to sort of buckle under the bus there and and, and you know fade out. Uh, you know we've we've we've, we've learned our lessons from last season. We've taken what we can from that. Um, but uh, we've, we've put that to bed quickly and just moving forward, really. And how are you feeling personally at the start of a brand new season? It's probably the first time in a while where you've had like a, like a full pre-season, is it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the first time in um, six or seven years. There you go. Um, <laughs> body feels good. <laughs> Relaxed, um, had a nice summer. Yeah, first time I've started a season here. Uh, played <laughs> in the first game of the season. It's good. It's uh, great, great to be a, a part of part of the team. Um, you know, this this time of the season in the past, uh, you kind of sort of enter a little bit later, and you often miss that emotional ride or at least that culture building that takes place pre-season and the start of the season. Um, you know, just looking back at the last two weeks to be have been involved in those two games is massive. You know, we, we shared some special moments, and uh, I'm sure those uh, those feelings, or at least I hope those feelings, will carry us through uh, some of the more difficult games to come. And in terms of kind of your leadership qualities, what kind of words of wisdom are you, are you giving Matt in his uh, in his season as skipper? I've been trying to get into his mind that less is more when it comes to training, uh, or at least over 30s don't have to train on a Monday, but they'll have none of that. So uh, I, you know, I guess we guess we're just stuck in it, uh, uh, you know, all year long. Um, no, Matt's, Matt's Matt's a good guy. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to lead the club, and uh, you know, I feel do a good job. Matt, two from two, and you've beaten two of last season's semi-finalists already. So it's a pretty decent start to the season. Yeah, it's gone well for us. Um, obviously, when the fixtures came out, we knew it'd be a challenging, you know, start to the season. Um, good defence has, has led the way, I think, with that. Um, Leicester, I think we're down to 12 men at one point. Um, the Saracens were down to 14 men at one point, so it's been testing. Um, but yeah, no, we're really happy with where we are as a club. I mean, the mentality was questioned a little bit last season when you were losing those tight matches, and, yeah. and possibly two games that you've won this season may well have been games that you would have lost last season. So, kind of, what's been tweaked there? So yeah, we've spoke a lot this year about our, the mental side of it um, and how I guess we've not been as resilient as we wanted to. Um, you know, Tabs and Todd um, have spoken about that. There was a lot of times last year where we were testing and we kind of went what we call the red zone and the blue zone and we kind of went into the red zone we started to not necessarily panic but we lost clarity and focus and what we were doing well and this year it was kind of right when we get tested how do we remain calm how do we get out of those problems um, and the work we've done you know so far has, has paid dividends and the other side of it is the culture that we're building here um, that we've kind of changed and the way we're playing is that boys want to fight for each other um, and like I said, the 12 minute Leicester, the last 10 minutes was, um, 
for me, I had to watch it. Obviously, I was one of the Simbins, but um, <laughs> we won't no, mention that. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was um, you know extremely proud to see those boys putting their body on the line for each other. Yeah, and you mentioned the defence already, because I think that probably is the area of your game that, that everyone's been impressed with in the last couple of rounds. Yeah. Have you kind of tweaked anything there, or is it just you know mentally? Yeah, we. Um, I mean, we spoke last year, and we said about it. You know, when when we looked at the top four teams, and you know, we we said when you think of Saracens defence, what do you think of? And we were like aggressive come off the line hard at you and we said about Exeter and we said the same and Leicester and we said the same they said how about Bath's defence and the word that we kept bouncing around I guess was we're passive you know we, we were in a way I guess we were happy to defend we were comfortable that we trusted the, the defensive principles we had um, and almost we like I said we were just too happy to defend so this year we wanted to get off the line put teams under pressure you know force errors force the pass and you know capitalise on that and Hopefully you've you've seen that in the first couple of games. It's the first Premiership win at Welford Road since two thousand and three for yeah. for a Bath side. And what was the atmosphere like post match? Yeah, it was crazy. I think. I mean, I've never won there, so I've drawn twice and they've scored in the last the last couple of minutes. Um, and I remember speaking to the boys at half time and saying, "Look, it's not over yet. It's not going to take sixty minutes. It's going to take eighty minutes." Um, and then JJ said to me when I got the yellow card and he had to defend at the end. He was like, "If we lose this, I'm coming for you." <laughs> um, so yeah, it was awesome. You know. Again, we, we didn't get too carried away because we knew we had a, big, we had a short turnaround to the Saracens game. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was pretty special. I think it, was a bit, it sounds a bit cheesy, a bit surreal mm. to have won in the manner we did. Um, but yeah, no, boys were over the moon um, and ready for the Saris game. So how surreal was it then this weekend when you beat the Saris at home? Or was it a little bit uh, yeah, expected was, to win at home? Uh, no, never against the Saracens team. Obviously, we, we tried to win all our home games. Um, the mood this week was, was, a bit, was a bit odd, I guess, because obviously we'd beaten Saracens, but... We almost threw it away, um, and we could quite easily have lost it um, if it wasn't for a bit of Fijian magic from Rocco on two occasions. So, you know, it was disappointing because we spoke the messages at half-time about discipline and stuff like that, and I think the first 10 minutes of the second half, we give away five, five penalties. Mm. Um, so we had to learn from it, but we'd rather win and learn than lose and learn. So, yeah, happy, um, but aware that we had a lot of things to, to learn from. Got so many injuries at the moment. Yeah. So to win against teams that you've won against, and in the manner that you have, just how much yeah. confidence does that give you once you get a full complement of players back out on the pitch? Yeah, it's huge. Um, I mean, I think we've got a word about physio team. They must be rubbish. I think the injuries we've got, um, we give them stick. But no, like I said, it's, it's picked up from last year. Just a bit of a freakish amount we had, and they all seem to be in the same positions. Um, so it's difficult, but it's also helped the younger boys. Like you look at Zach Mercer last year. You know, we got a few injuries in the back row. He got his chance and you know to see how well he did so those boys are getting their chances when they're called upon again they've got a lot of experience to draw upon um, and it's also like I said it's a huge thing to think that we've still got you know a few internationals out injured that are going to come back and, and, and boost the squad so the cavalry's going to arrive at some point um, but at the moment we're quite comfortable with the boys that are, are doing a job. I mean your skipper your general out there but I just want to know in terms of kind of the leadership um, squad or players that you've got how strong is that in this team at the moment? Yeah we, we, we picked um, we picked a few boys, um, senior boys, but also quite a younger boys to bring along for the journey and give them some experience. Um, so we've got quite a, quite a good mix of players. Um, you know, it ranges from people like Khan Fortalili, who's you know played around the Premiership and plays about 100 games a year, um, to people like Jack Walker, under 20s captain, and you know he's I think it's his second year now. So they're doing really well, um, and it, it takes a lot of pressure off me. Um, we've spoken as a group that we want to be about performance, um, and that's where we're going to push the development rather than off-field stuff. We'll leave that to the coaches. Um, but yeah, at the moment, like I said, things are going well, but we're aware that we're two weeks into the season and 
there's a long way to go yet. Is it a role that you're embracing? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I really am. Um, it's it's new to me, so I'm you know I've got to keep learning as well. Um, you know, Hoops has thrown about five or six books at me to read. Um, what sort of books? Uh, there's, uh, we read Legacy, the All Blacks one in the off season. There's another one called The Captain's Class. Um, so I'm just kind of studying at the moment because you know it's. Being captain is a huge honour, but you've got to, you know, you've got to fill the role. And you know, Hoops did a tremendous job. Graham Mercer did a tremendous job. So it's up to me to kind of to keep pushing forward and keep learning myself because it's hard for me to say to the boys, "We need to get better." If I'm just not, if I'm not living my own words. What captain? What sort of captain do you think you are? And what sort of captain do you think you want to be? A successful one <laughs> would be nice. Um, I, I'm not sure yet. I mean, it's, it's an easy job at the moment because the boys I've got around me. Um, I want to be able to depend on some of the other boys in terms of, you know, someone who's not, personally, I've not won anything or I've, you know, no international caps. You know, I need to be able to talk to Anthony Watson, JJ, Toby Falatel, Reese, Khan, you know, all those boys that have been away on Lion Tours or been successful international duty that, you know, push them forward as well, that they need to, you know, develop and, you know, um, give clear messages to the rest of the squad. So, you know, I just want to try and get everyone involved. Um, bring everyone along for the journey and you know hopefully that, that takes me along with it. Doing something right at the moment. Well, two games in we're doing all right. <laughs>
but someone that can come in and fit into that Bath mould as, as well as keeping that synergy between Todd. But he's a massive loss. It is interesting, actually, because we're lucky enough to, because we don't do proper jobs, so we've got time to do this, <laughs> to go along and watch teams train during the week. And if you ever you watch um, Bath train at Farley House, all the coaches are on the pitch. Todd Blackadder's on the pitch with his, with his boots on, prowling around, Toby Booth, Darren Edwards. Uh, but Tabai Matson seems to be the bloke who winds the clock. He's flying around all of them. It's his voice that you hear almost above anybody else's. Yeah, and do you know what? Is, I, I, what? The role which I like about him is Saturday is a product of what you do Monday to Friday, and it's his voice, and it's all the detail which he puts in which allows those guys to be out on a Saturday. Come Saturday, we don't see him, we don't speak to him. No. He doesn't He's down on the touchline, actually, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. His work's done. His work's done by Friday. Lads, go out and play. And I love that. He hides behind it all. But, uh, but yeah, he's been at the core of everything good. A bit of chatter about how they might replace Tabai Matson. Um, Dave Williams is a name that, that you've heard. He's, uh, he's with the Cheetahs in Bloemfontein at the moment. But he, he's had experience of Bath previously. He has. Um, I, without trying to perhaps reveal a bit too much, I, I think there may have been conversations. Um, and the conversation which have been had and speaking to a couple of players, they're massively excited if he was to come back because he made a huge impact when he was first at Bath. Now, uh, we've got to get a shimmy on, actually, because I need to go and pack my case because I've got to fly to the States. Yes, have I mentioned that I'm flying to the States this weekend? <laughs> I'm flying to the States. Off to Philly, Newcastle against Saracens. It's the second one of these Premiership Go Stateside games. You, you went to the one a couple of years ago between Saris and and London Irish. Good idea, bad idea? Great idea. Absolutely great idea. You could ask Sarah Elgin, she'd say it was a terrible idea because she had a day shopping with me, but that's completely separate. To you went mental, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yeah. Got myself a couple of nice coats. And why not? The, the pound was strong at that time. But anyway, we're in Brexit mode and perhaps not the same. But I think it's fantastic for the Premiership to go and sow its seeds across the pond um, in America. We've seen it in the Pro 14. It's great for this game to expand. And if... You know, I'm so proud about what we have as a product. I think it is the toughest and the best league in the world. It's the fastest growing sport in America. And for those guys that tune into NBC and listen to our coverage on BT Sport, first, I apologise. Um, but secondly, you now get that opportunity to see it live. It's also interesting as well. You talk to, to, to the suits at clubs and more and more of them, I know Saracens do and certainly Harlequins do, they're putting down roots in the States. They see the States as a very useful source of player development. Quinns, I know, are in, are in California at the moment, working hard to develop over there. Irrespective of whether rugby grows as a sport in the United States, premiership clubs are busy mining what those athletes might have to offer. Yeah, I was monitoring... Mike Friday sounds quite creepy, actually. Uh, Mike Friday's Twitter is the word you're looking for. Yeah, I tried to downplay what I was doing. <laughs> but... I mean, rugby's never going to be the number one sport in America, but what it can sit, where it can sit is an overspill to a lot of the talent that can't quite make it at basketball, NFL. And if people don't make it and they still want to play in a contact sport and a physical sport, then rugby could be that perfect tonic to it. And we would gladly accept some of these star athletes. And I know that, that, that Saris and, and the Falcons haven't just been over there this week eating 
cheesesteak sandwiches. <laughs> which you will be tomorrow. Which I will be tomorrow. They're, they're, they've been spreading the word. They've, they've had coaching clinics as well. They've been embracing the sporting environment. Yeah, and it's so important, I think, for the Premiership to feel organic like that. It's not a case of fly in, play the game, get on a jet and fly back. And it's great they're able to get out to the community and really spread all the good word about the Premiership. Actually, worth saying that I picked this up during the Women's World Cup, that, that women's rugby... Uh, from this term in the States has become a vasty sport because they need, for quota reasons, to have a bigger percentage of women athletes involved in that vasty system that we understand in the States, that um, American football, basketball, baseball uses. It's actually women's rugby that has become a vasty sport, and it means that millions and millions of dollars are now being pushed into the women's game over there. So I wonder, actually, whether a little bit like football, soccer over there. It might be the women's game that, that is the market leader. That's great to see. Um, I think it's always amazing when women's sport, we're, we're following their lead. Um, and what an opportunity for them to make a statement. We've seen the growth of women's rugby this summer. You covered it extremely well. Thank you. Good on them. Good on you. you. That was excellent, actually, in fairness. It wasn't just me, but it was largely, largely me. Uh, right. We're going to, because um, I have to pack, because um, I'm going to Philadelphia. I might not have mentioned that. But let's look ahead to, um, to this weekend, Hughes. Uh, and we've got this predictor thing going at um, btsport.com forward slash predictor, where it is revealed how little we so-called experts, pundits, know about the game. Because I don't think I've managed to get more than 50% of the games right over the opening two weeks. Me and you both. It's making an absolute mug of me. Yeah. It's creating me a lot of stress, a lot of headaches, but it's good fun to get involved. It is. And if you want to get involved, if you want to try and predict um, the margin of victory for whichever of the teams you favour uh, this weekend, then uh, head along to btsport.com forward slash predictor. We are rubbish at it, um, but it's not going to stop us looking at the, uh, the yeah. half a dozen games uh, that we've um, that we've got this weekend. Let's start with um, with that one at the Gardens, Saints against Bath on the Friday night. Wow, well both teams going in with a huge amount of momentum. Northampton desperately need to win it, don't they? Um, it's probably more of an important fixture to them than, than Bath. But for, for Bath, it's Tabai Matson's last game, and we know what emotion can do for anyone. So. I mean, I'm at this moment in time, I'm meant to give a prediction, and I can't. No. I really can't. Right. If we're a couple of days further on and we know what the teams are, then I would probably say I quite fancy Exeter to beat Worcester at six ways. But such has been my form of predicting so far, it's almost <laughs> certainly, therefore, going to be the Warriors. But what do you reckon? That's the one game I'm, I'm fairly confident in, and that's not based on my form this season so far. Exeter looked to have found their mojo after a slow start round one. Worcester looked like they were punctured on Saturday. Um, I fancy Exeter. Sale Irish. Sale came into the season with, with, with such high hopes, and, and they played well enough at the Rico on the opening weekend, but... but question marks raised by, by what happened last Friday. Yeah, a hallmark of them is their set piece and it didn't function at the weekend. Fafta Clerk's been on fire. I think James O'Connor's back fit for Friday night so he'll obviously add that extra bit of stardust. But London Irish, they've been impressive. Even in defeat at Sandy Park, they'll fancy their chances. This will be one of the games in this opening section of the Premiership which they'll look to go up and target. Power game at Sale up against a power game in London Irish really could be anyone's. Uh, we've got two games on Saturday. Uh, both of them are on the telly. BT Sport 2, 4K UHD from half two at Welford Road. Leicester against Gloucester. Well, I'll keep it brief. Inconceivable to think that Leicester lose two games in a row at home. So you've got to back Leicester, haven't you? 
uh, Newcastle Saris uh, in Philadelphia um, from nine o'clock um, UK time Saturday evening. It looks it looks a fantastic stadium actually. I've seen pictures of it. There's a great big bridge next door to it. I'll be a little bit more eloquent uh, come Saturday night, but a great big bridge <laughs> is as good as I can do at the moment. But but Falcon Saracens. Uh, does the trip and all that disruption mean that a Falcons win is more likely or less likely? Um, or would it make no difference? I don't think so. You've just got to be professional and the coaches are there certainly to make sure that the guys aren't in holiday mode. They're there to get business done. Newcastle started really well and Saracens will be hurting. A few more of their lines will filter into their side and they've got a 100% record out there. Well, they've only played once out there, but they haven't lost. But, uh, but yeah, Saracens will massively fancy their chances. Actually, just talking about Tani Takalua. Uh, while we're giving medals to those who started, we're yep. only a fortnight into the season. Yeah. But crikey, he started one. Powerful unit, always looking to break, but that doesn't take anything away from his service. And he kicks goals. You've pretty much got the full package. He's a big old unit, isn't he? Have you seen his quads? He's been outstanding this year. And he's one of these players that only Dean Richards could sign. Honestly, he's probably not a frontline nine in terms of profile, but he has come and he's had a massive impact at Newcastle. Yeah, fits in wonderfully. Uh, and the final game of the weekend, uh, again, it's on the telly, BT Sport 1 from half past two, uh, from the Rico, Wasps against Harlequins. Yeah, Wasps would have to put in a team performance. Um, Dai Young said that his team don't respond well to having a bit of time off, so that's time off done for that lot. Um, Harlequins played well. At Gloucester, um, the demons of last year where they conceded seven tries against Wasps. Um, this will be a mouth-watering tie. You've got Danny Kerrick up against Dan Robson, Marcus Smith up against Cipriani. It's going to be an intense battle. Um, as to who will win, um, I'm not going to make a prediction because I've got conflict of interest, apparently. But I guess you'll see it. Tune in 2.30 Sunday, BT Sport 1. Rugby will be the winner, as it, as it always is. Yeah, four games, four of the six games... Um, live on BT Sport this weekend. I think that just about covers it. Um, we've made our way halfway down my uh, Fortman Mason biscuit barrel, so we've done pretty well. Yeah, thank you. Um, just carb-loaded. Carb yeah, for the weekend. it's it for the flight to Philadelphia, because I'm heading out there tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and we'll, um, we'll have another cup of tea, but thank you. Thank you for coming around to my kitchen. Thank you for having me. We'll see you um, We'll see you same time next week. Yeah, not in my kitchen, though. But no, I'm not no, invited somewhere back. Else. Uh, thank you for listening. We are back next week. It's Hugo and Austin. You going to Austin's kitchen? Probably not. This is probably slightly bigger than mine, I suspect. Um, no, you're back in the studio next week, I'm being told. Uh, remember, the pod will be out every Thursday morning, so make sure that you subscribe and get it delivered straight to your device. And if you have enjoyed it, leave us a five-star rating. If you haven't enjoyed it, please still leave us a five-star rating. Uh, review it on iTunes. Thank you, Ukes. Cheers, Nick. Thanks for having me. See you all next week. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.